Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. December the 15th. This is the other page radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. This program is sponsored by Triad Veterans League, and we are here at WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. Kwanzaa is coming up, but we got a lot of things going on today in our community. And the first thing I want to say sadly, sadly, folks, is that the music director and director and lead principal of the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program Company, Sister Monica Anderson Spencer and her husband lost their son suddenly yesterday. We ask that you pray for Rollins Spencer. Roland Spencer, I'm sorry, Roland Spencer. Pray for him and his family. Sister Monica is a well known artist, educator and a friend. And so we just want to let her know that we're here at BNN TV, radio, and the Oscar Michelle Family Theater, and the community at large send their sympathy, their deepest sympathy and regrets on her loss, our loss, Rollins Anderson, Roland Anderson, to make sure we got a program today that uh, we're real proud of. We got a young man that has been working for some time now trying to organize, and he is organizing uh, our community on the importance of fighting back, standing up, doing more than just talking talking about housings and the disparities and the inequities as it is now, that he's trying to organize folks to come together and realize that they have power and how we structure that power to change the paradigm to a more equitable situation. Our guest today is Ryan Costello. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Hello, Brother Haywood. I'm doing very well, and thank you for having me here today. No, thank you for making the time to come in and to just tell folks about what you're doing and what we need to do, uh, Ryan, just a little bit, if you don't mind, please. Oh, I'm glad to. So, yeah, I'm part of an organization called the United Front Against Displacement, and we organize here in Boston and a few other cities around the country fighting back against gentrification, in particular uh, in the privatization of public housing, which is an epidemic going on around this country, and in subsidized developments, which are also facing a whole slew of attacks in the whole community, really. And so here in Boston, in particular, we've been organizing with Brother Haywood and others at the Grant Manor Development in the South End, as well as with people at Mary Ellen McCormick in South Boston, and at the Bromley Heath, a.k.a. Mildred Haley Projects, right over uh, in, in Jamaica Plain, right by Jackson Square. And all of these developments are facing, in one form or another, attacks, uh, pressure of gentrification, whether it be in the form of rent hikes, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other uh, negligent practices with repairs and maintenance and so on and so forth, cockroaches and mold and lead and the like. 
And as well as in the case of the two uh, public housing developments that I mentioned, facing privatization, namely handing over of the public uh, resources to private developers and banks who are going to come in and change the whole character of the neighborhood and the excuse community. Excuse me. Excuse me. Did you say banks? Yes, I did. Okay. Banks are involved in gentrification. Through and through, from the top to the bottom, they're involved. Can you and, talk a little bit about that? Absolutely, absolutely. So the way it goes with a lot of redevelopments, if you go and look at them, you don't see a bank's name front and center. For example, the Lenox Street projects in the South End, right by Grant Manor, were recently privatized. Now, if you look at the, the official stuff that's being put out in the media by Boston Housing Authority and others, they mention Beacon Communities, who themselves have a reputation, given that they recently evicted a whole bunch of people in the Georgetown development in the middle of this pandemic, and so on. But at the Lenox Street projects, and this is just one example, like so many others, Beacon only owns 1% in the privatization. Bank of America is the 99% owner. That wasn't publicized broadly. We had to dig through a lot of paperwork to find that. And what we see over and over again is that there are these property management companies and, and nonprofits that act really as fronts for the big banks to come in and take over. Now, a lot of the projects and subsidized developments used to be ignored. Uh, whole sections of the, the community and neighborhoods, as we know, were ignored by the city, were left to rot uh, without repairs that were much needed. Residents faced all sorts of horrible conditions. But now with the real estate boom in the city, these neighborhoods have become prime real estate for speculation. And the banks want a big piece of the pie. So they're moving in quick all across Boston and all across the country. This is the other page radio here on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. And Ryan Costello is here to tell you some things that you need to know about. You know, you get on the bus at Nubian Station, you get on the bus number 49 or number 5, whatever the number is, and it takes you downtown. It takes you down Washington Street. It takes you down Washington Street. And when you get to Malena Cass Boulevard, you see the bus parking lot. It's my understanding that that is going to be changed into another kind of real estate. And you drive one block and you look at where the furniture store used to be, you'll see a building that has an additional floor added to it that now is being developed to become condos, condominiums, high-priced condominiums. And then you go one block to Newman Street, right near Grant AME Church, 
In the block is another building called One Newcomb Place that has become a condominium, a, an other condominium less than a block from the other condominium, and then you get to Lenox Street, another block away, and you look in the middle of the build of the block and you see another five-story housing condo building being built in less than two blocks. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 look at Grant Housing that's been there a long time. Supposedly people are supposed to be able to own those buildings, their apartments, like they are in St. Joseph's. But because of the new arrangement of outside land management corporations, the close ties to banks and some politics, the people are threatened now to not get what their charter says why they are there. Namely, they were supposed to be able to purchase their apartments and that would become their home. Now that's being challenged by the grant, some grant tenants, and uh, Ryan Costello and his organization has been busy and we all need to be busy Otherwise, you may not have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, uh, a number of uh, tenants like Sister Edna who were involved back in the Demo Dispo program in, at Grant Manor and other Sister developers. Sister Edna, is she, is she a member? Oh, yeah, of the uh, Grant Manor organizers. Okay. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, she and others were involved in this Demo Dispo program, which gave tenants at Grant Manor and other developments partial ownership of their building and an effort to really give them or that they really fought for, you know, control of their own destiny. And we've seen now how these maneuvers to bring in wealthy developers in the names of making much needed repairs while no repairs get done have systematically worked to disenfranchise residents, have allowed, in the case of Grant Manor, a $20 million plus loan to be handed over with no accountability or transparency as to where that money has gone. And every week, it seems like the elevator in Grant Manor is breaking down. The roofs are leaking. The problems with rats and other pests continued unabated. But that money has changed hands. Tenants were promised that with, with that money changing hands from the banks and with the rent increase that they were all forced, despite the vast majority of tenants opposing it at Grant Manor, that this would lead to repairs that have been, frankly, needed for over a decade. And yet we see all that money has gone into the pockets of the different companies there. And yet the residents have seen no benefit as of yet. They have been shown nothing to indicate how that money is being spent or any future plans for spending it. We'll be right back with Ryan Costello. Tell you a little more. This is the Other Page Radio, WBCALP 102.9 FM, Boston. 
This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her Mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Are you a veteran, or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. Are you behind on rent or mortgage payments and at risk of losing your home due to COVID-19? You may be eligible for help to make your payments. State programs like RAFT and IRMA can provide funding to help eligible renters and homeowners. Don't wait. Find resources and start a secure online application at metrohousingboston.org forward slash COVID help. Metro Housing Boston. People first. Housing always. This is the family tree. Again, our guest is Ryan Costello. But before we get back to a conversation that we were having, just a couple of things. The program is sponsored by Triad Veterans League Incorporated and, uh, 888,000 people have passed as a direct result of COVID-19. That's more people that populate the state of South Dakota. 888,000 people. That's, That's more people that live in the state of South Dakota. And South Dakota is a big, scattered state. All you hear today is booster shots. People dying uh, and had never received vaccinations. You hear that all the time. And... In order for our communities to be safe, we think you need to pay attention. We need to be very, very attentive if we are going to survive this pandemic in a manner that it should be responded to. That's just a comment. The other thing that I want to briefly say is that we've heard all those seeking election talking about housing, affordable housing, affordable housing, affordable housing. Yet, our educational system has not addressed innovative educating vocational training that would, in many ways, create a talented group of citizens who could earn a salary to pay rent and save their money. 
We haven't done that. And we need to understand the importance of changing our direction around housing and to educate and empower people. That's why Brian Costello is here today, and we're going to resume our conversation about banks and other entities that are preventing people from really believing that they can at one time have a home of their own. Brian, you were talking about the uh, situation at Grant Manor. Can you tell us a little more about uh, some of the things that you're doing around organizing the people? Absolutely. So at Grant Manor, there is basically a situation where last September, September of uh, 2020, residents were notified they'd be receiving a massive rent increase for about 25% of the residents overall, some of them as much as over $1,000 a month in increase. $1,000? Exactly. And with very little notice, with no ability to vote, to accept or reject that, being told it was a fait accompli, that it was going to happen regardless. And at the time, myself and others were organizing in the United Front Against Displacement at the nearby Lenox Street Projects. And we attended a meeting with Brother Haywood and others and got involved in supporting the struggle at Grant Manor to fight this rent increase, to get elections for the tenant board. According to the bylaws for the tenant board at Grant Manor, every two years there's supposed to be elections and there's supposed to be term limits. And I think it's been, what, 18, 19 years since the last election. And the current board has sat there and refused to um, have hold those elections. They, at meetings that happened after we got together, started organizing and demanding that our rights, people's rights be respected, that there be transparency in what was going on with this rent increase. Tenants were promised initially that they would be given full transparency. The developers, the tenant board, and others said, okay, we'll show you all the financial information about this loan. We'll let you see the books. You can see the bylaws for the tenant board. And when we followed up on those requests, we were denied repeatedly, even though the bylaws state that tenants should be given full access to the books to see what the financial situation is in the building and the meeting minutes of the board. We were also denied those. And at one point, uh, we were even threatened. Mm-hmm. Uh, when making this very simple and straightforward request. Let me ask you about another situation here, because I know that's an ongoing battle with the uh, Grant Manor situation and the people are not going to give up. Mm -hmm. But you have been able to organize some other areas of housing, and uh, you have a situation coming up? Yes, absolutely. So Thursday, September 16th, we're holding a protest uh, in Jackson Square against the privatization of public housing. Now, earlier you mentioned the role that the politicians play often in saying one thing and doing another. And and that's what we have going on there uh, at the Bromley Heath development and more broadly throughout this country. For example, in the Build Back Better plan, there is $60 billion that's supposed to be allocated for public housing. That's how it's been told by many politicians in the media and so on. But when we looked into it, we found all that money I think, except for a few billion dollars, was earmarked to go towards privatization. So about of that 60 billion, I think 56 billion and potentially the last 4 billion is earmarked all to aid the banks 
in taking over low-income housing and the projects in particular. Did you hear that, folks? Did you hear that? We want you to get the information so you can know what to do. In Jackson Square T-Station, right outside of it, on Thursday, September 16th. Okay. Folks, uh, we're getting ready to wrap up now, but I just wanted to let Ryan know that, Ryan, you have an open invitation to come back and educate the people about what's going on with your organization, not just in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, but across the country, because people need to understand that banks right now in the position that they're in, it's not a friendly position, would you say? Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's not a friendly position at all. Right. And uh, would you also say that we need to look at a uh, possible more, more moratorium on building? Absolutely. We need to repair the existing buildings. There's more than enough housing around the city, but much of it sits vacant. If people could be given access to that, if we could fix up the existing buildings, there's no need to build these big luxury condos. Those aren't for the people. Do you, have a, con- do you have a contact web, web page or anything that you could leave us with? Yes, our website is the UFAD, the UFAD, the abbreviation for United Front Against Displacement, the UFAD.org. Okay, you need to say that again because they didn't have their pencils ready. <laughs> the UFAD.org. Okay. All right. Folks, you know, uh, we we need to be about the business of not waiting, but organizing, being in touch with each other, let our pastors know, let the churches know what's going on. Tomorrow starts a campaign of awareness and action. Uh-huh. We can't allow, we can't even pay our rent now. Imagine if somebody converted your building in the condominiums, and you would have to pay those prices and fees for being, uh, and the people that have the jobs and everything uh, that can afford, you can't forget the people because at one time you wasn't living in a condo. Mm -hmm. You was living in the projects. And now that you've stepped up, you're stepping over. And we need you to step back and turn your attention to what is going on in our community around housing and this uh, term affordable. Affordable for who? Let the mayor know that you are concerned. Let your elected officials know that they are accountable and thank the people that are standing for what is right. Grant Manor has not heard the last of the Tenants, those people on uh, the corner there where they're building the condominiums, that's not going to be an easy thing to be in a good neighbor if you're not helping the people at Grant Manor. Don't come in and think you're better than because that's not going to work. We had a real good session today. Thank you, Ryan, for coming in today. Oh, thank you, brother. Looking forward to you coming back again. This has been the Other Page Radio. We had a wonderful time. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next week. Happy birthday to me on December the 17th. Abel Fennell signing off. But before I sign off, remember, veterans are an overlooked and underused community resource, and we want to thank uh, United States Congresswoman Ayanna Presley for yesterday's Zoom meeting 
Roundtable for Veterans and What Our Needs Are. So long, folks. Thank you.